What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode 121 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. If you're a frequent listener of the podcast, you know that I'm due for a free writing session episode. So if that's what you were expecting, apologies in advance. This is not it. I tend to do a free writing session episode every like two to three episodes, but I realized that there's been a shitload of UFC fights that I haven't spoken about on the podcast when I normally do during the random rant episodes. So there's, it's like the whole concept of speaking about UFC fights on the podcast fell out of my head over the past couple months because I have been watching fights, but for whatever reason, didn't remember to speak about them. So this episode is going to be a catch-up of sorts and kind of sort of like a hodgepodge of uh, recent fights and MMA news that has occurred over the past like month and a half to two months. If you're into it, stick around. And if you're not, stick around anyway. Try something new. But first, a word on how you can help support the Spun Today podcast. If you so choose. For those of you that are new to the podcast, there's a couple ways you can help support. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting platform. Another way you can help support the podcast is by shopping on Amazon. But instead of going to Amazon.com, go to SpunToday.com and click on the affiliate links tab on my website. There you'll see an Amazon banner. Click that and it'll take you to Amazon.com. There, you'll do your shopping like you normally do, and it will not cost you anything extra, but it will help support the podcast just for driving traffic to their website. All right, the first fight I'm going to speak about happened on Saturday, February 9th, 2019 at UFC 234, and it was between Israel Stylebender Adesanya and Adder Anderson, the Spider Silva. Let me say that again and give that man the respect that he deserves. Anderson, the Spider Silva. This was such a dope matchup because it has it had like two of the similar two guys that have a similar style. And it's my favorite style to watch. It's most people's favorite style because it's you don't have to be some sort of like martial arts expert and pick up like all the nuances of wrestling and, you know, single and double leg takedowns and level changes or jujitsu and passing the guard and, you know, going for different setups for to lead you to different types of submissions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is a clash between two phenomenal strikers, Anderson Silva being a Hall of Famer, or going to be a Hall of Famer, widely regarded as one of the best fighters ever, definitely one of the best middleweights ever. He held the title, for example, for most title defenses in the UFC before Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson beat him by one uh, title defense. And I believe that was like 11, 12, 13, something like that. Something sick like that. And Stylebender is like a newer, younger, up-and-coming version of Anderson Silva in his prime. So it was very interesting to watch these guys go at it and like duke it out with you know, similar styles that are very exciting to watch. And the reason why they're so cool to watch is because they're very unorthodox and they'll do a flying knee. They'll do spinning elbows and spinning back fists and wild kicks and like a cartwheel kick and like flashy shit that just looks aesthetically pleasing to the layman. And they'll win often in spectacular fashion by landing shit like that. Which is, you know, makes the matchup that much more exciting. And what was particularly interesting about this matchup, it was that, you know, Anderson is thought of, and probably rightfully so, 
thought of to be uh, past his prime. And any any fight now could be his last in terms of like retiring. But, you know, he's still at it. He loves it. And he actually looked great during this fight. He looked really, really, really good. Like Anderson Silver of old, you know, like putting his arms down and dodging, you know, bobbing and weaving his head to get out of the, the way of the last style bender's strikes. And some thought, including myself, that, you know, it would be that style bender would win, but that he would probably have a easy go of it against Anderson. And he really didn't. And not to like shit on stop on this performance because he put on a great performance also. It was just like this perfect clash of martial arts creativity and this like fluid fighting between the two. It was so cool. On a completely different level, felt like a passing of the chort of the torch of sorts. It was almost as if Israel Adesanya is stepping into the shoes of Anderson Silva in terms of carrying that type of fight style forward into this like new generation of fighting. And they are big shoes to fill, but if somebody could do it, my money would be on Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya. And he had like, so, you know gracious in victory you know complete respect for anderson he like cried and stuff saying anderson was his hero and or is his hero and you know just to be um in the ring with him was like a big honor etc cetera, etc cetera. so it was uh it was a dope fight overall and even though adesanya won it was kind of sort of like a victory for anderson also because one he got to you know unofficially you know like pass the torch to this new dude new up-and-comer and but he did a hell of a performance he didn't like lose well he did lose but you know what i mean like he didn't get like knocked out or uh tko'd or submitted or anything like that he lost in a three-round i believe unanimous decision but it's definitely a fight worth checking out if you guys are interested Next up is Cain Velasquez in his return to the heavyweight division, his return to the UFC period after almost three years. And he was widely regarded as one of the best, if not the best heavyweight of all time. And just uh, got, was like plagued with like injuries and stuff. He had a couple back surgeries and just always seemed that he was like hurt outside of the ring outside of the octagon but when he was in that bitch he was fucking dudes up and he faced francis ngano on february 17th 2019 on a ufc fight night which i happened to miss this card but caught the highlights and that's actually all i needed to catch since the fight lasted all but 26 seconds I don't know if you can call it ring rust and maybe Kane was a little bit off or just the fact that he's running into a different type of beast in Francis, the predator in Gano, who has this next level strength, punching power strength, or just a bad combination of both. But Francis caught Kane similar to how he caught Alistair Overeem when he uppercutted Overeem and just blasted him off to fucking Venus. But he caught Kane in a slightly less like precise contact as he did uh, with uh, Alistair. But he definitely caught him. Kane buckled and it was a touch controversial because people are saying that he just slipped. You know, it wasn't like a real knockout. But it was... In my opinion, Ngano clipped him, which, you know, wobbled him. And then he caught him again while he was, his, his like, legs, Kane's legs were, like, giving out. And, you know, then he jumped on top of him, and that was that. 26 seconds into the first round. 
but that's not to take away from the fact that Kane did fuck up his leg. Like his, his knee popped out of place or some shit like that, or he needs knee surgery now or some crazy shit. But it definitely would have been nice to see Kane in there for longer. Hopefully he heals up soon and uh, is able to get back in there. Another fight from this card, which I also caught the highlights for, was Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres versus Crone Gracie. And it's Crone Gracie's debut in the UFC. For those of you that don't know, Crone Gracie is obviously a Gracie. And he's a decorated uh, world jiu-jitsu champion, but it was his first time running it in the UFC. He had done some MMA outside of the UFC and other leagues, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but it was his debut in the UFC. And just to tell you guys a cool story that I heard recently on a podcast where, on a, on Rogan's podcast, a story that Eddie Bravo told about Crone when like Eddie used to train with the Gracies and the Machados. And Crone Gracie is, well, let me tell you guys a story, actually, because it kind of explains it better. But Royce Gracie was the first Gracie in UFC, like, one or two or something like that. And he's the guy that, like, introduced Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to, like, America, basically. And, you know, the Gracie family... Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was started by their father, Helio Gracie. And Royce Gracie was the first uh, in UFC 1, uh, the, the person to, to win uh, UFC 1. And this was back when, picture like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie like Bloodsport, where, you know, there was like almost close to nothing in terms of rules, and there was no weight classes, and it was like sumo wrestlers versus karate guys, and boxers versus jujitsu guys and not so much jujitsu probably more like judo guys or whatever right like any like type of mix to really figure out what's the best uh martial art and royce just went in there with this brazilian jujitsu shit that nobody knew what the hell it was and just ran through everybody so that's royce gracie all of the gracies like that generation of gracie you know they learned from their father Hilo gracie who learned from uh, the story goes some uh, jiu-jitsu from Japan. A guy from Japan that came over to Brazil. And Helio, the father, learned from him and, you know, switched it up a little bit and created, made it his own and created Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And then he taught it to his sons. And his sons are like, you know, the Gracie family is jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like, they are that. And, you know, through this, uh, Royce being in the UFC you know, introduced it to America and, it, you know, it's blown up ever since and, you know, changed the footprint of martial arts as we know it. So all of the Gracies always say that, you know, no matter like how good they are and, uh, and, you know, it's like a bunch of like different brothers, Rory and Gracie and Royler Gracie, they all without a doubt say that Hickson Gracie is like the number one. He's like the motherfucker. He's like could beat them all with a hand tied behind their back, and and he never that I know of uh, fought in the UFC or anything like that. He was just like straight jujitsu. And there's actually a, a dope documentary about him that I've seen called Choke, C H O O K E. But anyway, uh, Eddie Bravo's uh, telling the story when he's training, I believe with the. Uh, He's a black belt of John Jock Machados, but he also trains like with the Gracies and the Machados are like cousins of the Gracies and they're like the number two, the very close number two to the Gracies and some people think number one now and like they started their own like lineage and like line of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or whatever. Anyway, uh, Eddie Bravo uh, tells a story that, you know, Hickson's son, which happens to be Crone Gracie, this guy that fought now in the UFC for the first time. Uh, at that time, you know, he was a, like a little punk kid that didn't want to do jujitsu. He was like 12, 13 years old or whatever. And he was like into skateboarding and stuff like that. And he was just like there at the at the dojo and just like skateboarding and, you know, I guess like rebelling or whatever. But that like John Jock Machado told Eddie Bravo 
and I'm not positive it was John Jock. It could have been like one of the other Gracies or somebody while Eddie Bravo was there told him, you see that kid? Then, you know, he's talking about uh, Crone Gracie while he was like skateboarding and shit. He's going to be 10 times better than everybody. And if that's true or not, I don't know. Time will tell, obviously. But he did submit Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres in the first round. Two minutes and seven seconds into the first round. And Bruce Leroy is one of these flashy, like, striking fighters. That's definitely no joke. And Crone made it look effortless. So I'm definitely looking forward to his his next fight and seeing the, how he stacks up against, you know, better and better competition. Because the thing with, uh, especially with, like, jiu-jitsu guys that, like, are primarily jiu-jitsu, it's, you know, it's MMA. It's not just jiu-jitsu. It's uh, like a Damian Maya, for example. If you're on the ground with him, you're fucked. Like, no matter who you are, no matter how good of a striker you are. But to get you to the ground is the shit. If Crone can bridge that gap better than, you know, most uh, other primarily jujitsu, you know, like grapplers and stuff like that in MMA have in the past, then similar to how he did with Alex Casares, uh, then he probably really does have a bright-ass future in MMA. But definitely looking forward to seeing that or seeing him fight again. On another note, on a sadder note, well, probably not sad, but yeah, definitely not sad, but kind of like bittersweet because GSP announced officially his retirement, which he hasn't fought in a while. As most people are saying, it's like, I thought he was retired already because, you know, he fought Michael Bisbing like a year ago, year and a half ago, and, you know, won the, the bell and then vacated it. Um, and before that he hadn't fought in, well, like another, like two or three years or something like that. Cause he was like a big proponent of the sport being cleaned up. And, you know, he knew that a lot of people were, were doing steroids, including more than likely Johnny Hendricks, which was his last fight before like his first like little, uh, hiatus. Cause once the UFC implemented USADA, and more strict uh, drug testing, a lot of these motherfuckers, like, deflated, like, balloons. And people were getting, like, popped left and right for steroids and shit. Anyway, but I'm definitely happy for the guy. You know, he's definitely, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, no questions asked. One of the best Walter Waits to ever do it. He'd also be up there in the conversations with, like, an Anderson Silva, for example, in terms of the best MMA fighter of all time. And he did uh, this uh, little segment with... Ariel Hawani to officially announce his retirement, which was pretty dope. And I'll link to that interview in the episode notes if you guys want to check it out. But definitely had to off to GSP for one of the best careers that we've seen in MMA and definitely leaving on top at the top of his game. Even though he kind of left the door open, you know, he said he he's retired, but that if something ever excites him uh, to come back, that he probably would. I know he wanted uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, which is the, the Russian dude that that fought uh, uh, Conor McGregor uh, recently and, you know, had that big, like, controversy with the fighting outside the ring and stuff like that. I think GSP wanted that, but Khabib can't fight because of that suspension uh, for a couple months and then he's actually taking the rest of the year in terms of a suspension like self-imposed because his friend that was also involved in the in the brawl and is also a ufc fighter was fined like a full year so khabib said that he's not fighting until his friends you know able to fight or whatever so gsp was just like yo you know what i'm not waiting for all that bullshit and i retire and that was like the only fight that was like exciting him so he kind of, you know, left that door open for, you know, something big comes along. He's uh, willing to to do it. But yeah, GSP, definitely one of the goats. Speaking of Conor McGregor, the it seems like 
the uh, fight between Conor McGregor and Donald Cowboy Cerrone is going to happen, which is pretty fucking cool. I'll definitely like to to see that fight because one, Conor needs a win, and that's not to say that Cowboy's in like an easy win for him. It's probably a pretty bad matchup for him, but Cowboy is a I'll trade with you, let's slug it out type of fighter. And fight anybody, anywhere, anytime, any notice. You know, he fought once, I think, on like two weeks notice or some shit after fighting two weeks before that, which is like unheard of. It was like some sick turnaround time like that. Like he fought on like two back-to-back UFCs, some, something crazy. Because, you know, these fighters normally take, you know, they fight twice a year or three times a year if they're super active. Cowboy's another one that's definitely a Hall of Famer, but uh, probably a touch past his prime, but he's still... You know, he'll have, like, you know, one or two, like, bad fights in a row and then have, like, a spectacular fight and look like the Cowboy of old and then have another bad fight and then have another spectacular fight. So it's, like, hit or miss with him. And Connor obviously, has looked bad lately. You know, he got demolished by Khabib before that. You know, he hadn't fought in a year or two, and then he lost to Mayweather in boxing. And then before that, he beat Nate. But in a, like, split decision, I think it was. And then before that, Nate fucked him up and choked him out. So he hasn't been looking as good as you'd think that his hype would warrant. You know what I mean? So it's an interesting, like, cool matchup. Like, it's a cool fight to watch. Because I don't think, like, the fans, myself included at this point, even though, like, Hunter would, like, definitely hype the shit out of this fight... And Cowboy would do an amazing job of it as well. If it was like a like a main event fighting for a title type of matchup, it wouldn't be as easy to buy into the usual hype that comes along with the Conor McGregor match after the string of fights that he's had. This would be like pure MMA for like the MMA fans. And set Conor up to if he comes back has a good showing against Cowboy and actually wins, then, you know, it starts building up that momentum again for maybe it could be rematch or the trilogy fight with Nate or something along those lines. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's definitely something to to look forward to. And they're, they're being showmans about it. Um, Cowboy's last fight, Connor like, tweeted, you know, like, Cowboy deserved... Yeah, you know, great performance, definitely, you know, let's run it or something like that. Like, he extended that to him, and like Connor says, like, whoever fights him makes a shit ton of money, like, more money than they've ever made ever fighting in the UFC, which would be true for Cowboy, you know? That's because he hypes the fights up so much that so many more people buy the pay-per-views. You know, Connor has that, like, new whiskey company now, Proper 12. Cowboy is sponsored by Budweiser. And he posted the other day, like, a picture of, like, a Budweiser next to a picture of a a bottle of uh, Proper 12 whiskey. And said something to, like, the effect of, you know, after our matchup, whatever happens, let's have a shot and a beer or something like that. And, you know, it's been, like, this interestingly friendly but competitive banter like back and forth between those two and plus in an unrelated uh, press conference event where cowboy was fighting somebody else and connor was fighting somebody else i think it was eddie alvarez and became the two division champ during that press conference like connor was saying something like i'll fuck up anybody on this stage or some shit like that and uh cowboy without skipping a beat said i'll go down there and kick the lucky charms out of your fucking ass you little fuck or some shit like that it was just hilarious so it's uh yeah that would be a very nicely hyped interesting fight to watch and i definitely tune in now before i get into the ufc 235 which happened this past weekend the new ufc belt UFC, for some reason, decided to shake things up and they designed a brand new championship belt, 
which to me is dog shit. I hate it. I don't like it at all. I prefer the old belt. It just looks, it looks like a fake belt. Like it looks like, you know how like wrestling fans have those like belt replicas or whatever. I guess you could get UFC ones too, right? If they have fucking wrestling ones but we see like wrestling guys you know fans or whatever like in when i when i was younger and into watching that like wwf they have like in the stands like those like fate belt replicas that's what the new ufc belt looks like like you could tell like it's not a real belt like that's what it looks like like the design is off the whole thing just looked dope it looked i don't know maybe i'm just like used to it or I don't know what it is, but I really don't like it. And I have no idea why they decided to do that. You know, it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Oh, real quick, before I get into uh, UFC 235, fucking Henry Cejudo versus T.J. Dillashaw. I'm not sure if I spoke about it. Back when I spoke about the Jones versus Gustafson 2, perhaps. Even though that one happened before this one. Maybe I like spoke about them together. But if not, just in case, because I just saw their uh, picture here in previous events at UFC.com. Uh, that was disappointing also, because I'm not a Cejudo fan. There's always, there's, I don't know what it is, man. The guy just, like, rubs me the wrong way. Like, he's, like, fake and, like, trying too hard. Or something like something's off with him like something's not like genuine about him but he beat the shit out of Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and you know won the title and and fucked up Demetrius's streak and pretty much made it so that Demetrius can be traded you know he facilitated that I'm sure if Demetrius would have won he wouldn't have have left the UFC for uh one championship and done that historic one-time trade for Ben Askren. But anyway, uh, TJ Dillashaw, which I like, I thought was going to run through Henry Cejudo. You know, he's the bigger guy. Technically, you know, he's the 135-pound champ, and Henry Cejudo's the 125-pound champ. But, you know, they both walk around, you know, bigger than, than their weight, and Henry Cejudo's a little bit on the big side, so maybe... Cejudo is bigger than TJ. I don't know, but uh, he beat TJ. And TJ was complaining that it was a quick stoppage. It didn't seem that way, really, to me. You know, he definitely got clipped. He definitely got got knocked down. And, and Cejudo, like, swarmed them. And could the ref have waited a bit more? Definitely. It was a, yeah, I guess it was a touch quick of a stoppage. I just don't think it was a bad stoppage. Because, you know, Tuda was, you know, swarming him. But it was a little bit fast. But, uh, you know, TJ's been on Rogan's podcast. And, you know, he said that he's definitely down to... He wants to run it back at 125. Uh, just to, like, kind of sort of get back that loss. But that he'll do it at 135 also if that's what Cejudo wants to do. Because, you know, it's Cejudo's call being that he won. So, I definitely, definitely want to see that matchup happen again and see if we can if Zahudo goes up and wins could be the champ champ 125 and 135 pound champ and they were thinking about dissolving the 125 pound division which is crazier TJ was just supposed to like run through him and pretty much kill the entire division and the unexpected happened apparently because Zahudo won all right, UFC 235, which happened this past weekend on March 2nd, 2019, was a stacked card. This was a great card, and I was looking forward to it for a minute. Then I forgot about it, and then about a week out, I was reminded of it, and looked up who's going to be part of the card again, the main card, the prelims. And a couple of the prelims were even, like, really dope. Which usually, you know, it's just like the the main card is dope, and but it's really only, like, one or two fights, maybe three if you're lucky. But this one had, like, five or six, like, really good fights, man. Starting off with 
the what wound up being the performance of the night between Diego Sanchez and Mickey Gall. And Diego Sanchez upset Mickey Gall. You know, experience kicked in and he just outclassed Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall, which is a, a kid from Jersey who's up and coming. Diego Sanchez, which is, quote, past his prime and definitely a veteran of the UFC. He won the, I believe, the first ever uh, tough uh, the Ultimate Fighter show, the UFC show. Uh, back in the day, uh, he just put it on Mickey Gall and won in a second round TKO. The next, uh, the next uh, good fight, also part of the prelims, was this dude Johnny Walker versus Misha Serkunov. Johnny Walker, first round, 37 seconds in, knocked him out. But what is what was or whatever one uh knockout tko i don't remember if he like knocked him out cold or anything like that but what this idiot did johnny walker was afterwards you know after he won uh, you know tko the guy you know fighters do things you know sometimes they do cartwheels sometimes they you know do a backflip sometimes they you know just jump up on the fence and celebrate and Sometimes they just throw themselves on the floor and whatever. He goes, he looked like he didn't know like how to celebrate or something. Like he didn't know like what he wanted to do. And he did this like salute, like, you know, you, the way you salute a soldier. And then like fell forward on purpose, like, you know, to throw himself on the floor, like belly down. And he like landed on his his arm or something and wound up dislocating his shoulder like a fucking idiot. (laughs) Um, but besides that, it was a quick and good fight. Well, good knock knockout TKO. It wasn't really a good fight. Last thirty seven seconds. Then next up, you have Zabit. Can't even pretend to even think about saying his last name, but Zabit, you'll know who that is. Versus Jeremy Stevens. And Zabit won via decision. But it was a pretty scrappy back and forth fight between the two. So three really good fights on the prelims. Now let's go to the main card, which was fucking stacked. Yeah, my boy, Cody Nolove Garbrandt versus Pedro Munoz. And this fight, which wound up being a fight of the night, uh, Pedro Munoz won in a knockout TKO victory in the first round and I feel bad for Cody I I root for Cody every time he fights even when he was going through his shit with uh, uh, TJ Dillashaw and they had their uh, two fights and I like TJ obviously like I, I was just speaking about but I was always like if Cody wins I won't be mad though uh, it was like that type of thing and but since TJ put it on him and those two fights and, you know, beat him the first time, knocked him out. And the second time, even more so, even more convincingly, uh, Cody's just clearly not the same in terms of his chin. He uh, decided to trade with Pedro Munoz, and Pedro Munoz was able to, t- to take Cody's punches and just TKO the shit out of uh, Cody and knocked him out. Which sucked because I was definitely rooting for him. Then you have uh, Tisha Torres and Whaley Zhang, which I remember being an okay fight, kind of scrappy, and went to a decision where Whaley Zhang won. Now, the top three fights of the night. Robbie Lawler versus Ben Askren. Ben Askren is the fighter that I mentioned a little while ago that he was part of that historic trade uh, to come into the UFC and was always has always been regarded as one of the best welterweights on the planet outside of the UFC. And if he ever came to the UFC, he would be able to do what he wanted with any other any of the welterweights currently in the UFC. That didn't really seem to be the case, though. <laughs> um, I was rooting for the guy because that's like a cool story. You know, this guy that's like not in the UFC, but supposedly, you know, is like the fucking man in terms of wrestling. 
who is like an all-american wrestler and widely regarded as being one of the best wrestlers in mma and you know he's going up against robbie lawler which is quote also past his prime but definitely definitely no joke he was the former welterweight champion and was one part of one of the greatest fights that i've ever seen and definitely is always on those like ufc like top 10 countdowns i think it's regarded as like the fourth or third best fight ever in the ufc definitely what probably the best one that i've ever seen and it was between uh, robbie lawler and rory mcdonald check it out if you guys haven't seen it um so he's fighting ben Askren and welcoming welcoming him into the ufc and in the first round you know robbie which is primarily a striker a scary fucking striker just clips Askren and wobbles him hurts him Askren was ultimately able to take um the barrage of punches from robbie but robbie also didn't like pounce him and like look like he was like going for the finish maybe he was like trying to pace himself or something like that and but then Askren, you know got a hold of him and started applying his his wrestling and wound up uh getting robbie in like this headlock you know robbie had his arm up trying to defend against that headlock and trying to push Askren, which at this point has a bloody face from the barrage of punches from Robbie Lawler. And he's trying to like push him off. Um, but he doesn't. And apparently the ref asked Robbie if he was okay. And Robbie's arm came down from where he was like, you know, trying to pull Ben Ashkin off. And it came down kind of limp. So it looked like he was out. It looked like he got like choked out, even though it wasn't like a choke. It was like a headlock. But Ben Ashkin, again, is touted as being like this super strong, like freak strength fucking insane grip wrestler dude so it seemed he like made robbie unconscious from this like headlock but instantly after the ref like jumped in and stopped it and told ben ashkin to let go which was right after robbie's arm went limp robbie like stood up like he never even fell to the ground like it was what i'm wide awake he was like all right fuck it whatever and robbie's like a class 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 act and he was like you know I wasn't out. The ref asked me if I was okay. Apparently, uh, he didn't hear me, but I, like, put my arm up, and I was, and, you know, I put my arm down, and he thought I was, my arm went limp, apparently, and called the fight, but I was wide awake. I even, you know, stood up and told him right after. And, I don't know. To me, I initially thought, well, first of all, I didn't like that it ended this way, right? Nobody likes these controversial kind of, like, endings because it's like, no, you don't get what you expect to get from an MMA fight, which is a definitive answer to the question of who's going to win. You usually get that for the most part in MMA, which is what I like, either by a submission or a knockout or unanimous decision, even some split decisions when they're not, like, super, super close and controversial. But something like this when it ends this way where Robbie was like all over Ben and just like putting it on him like right away, opening up the round. And then Ben Ashton kind of sort of comes to and then is able to apply his wrestling. And it seems like he, you know, had Robbie in this, or he did have Robbie in this, uh, in this like uh, headlock choke kind of thing, neck crank. And, in the replays, Robbie's arm does go limp, so it looks like Ben Askren really did win. Fair and square, but then Robbie looked like so awake and good, not like, you know, guys that get knocked out and they wake up like, whoa, whoa, what happened? I'm good, I'm good. Like, it wasn't like that at all, and Robbie's like not that type of fighter anyway. I don't know, it just kind of left like a, like a bad taste. So part of me feels like I haven't really seen Ben Askren like really fight yet and if but if that like barrage from robbie in the beginning is any indication he has a lot of work to do ben ashman does in the striking department because again he'll wind up like these guys that are like strictly brazilian jiu-jitsu and like a little bit of everything else he's gonna be left like very lacking if it's just like straight wrestling and a little bit of everything else, even though wrestling is supposed to be like the number one, the foundation for the shit, 
it definitely can't be the only thing that you rely on. Then next up, the welterweight title bout between Tyron Woodley and Kamaru Usman. Tyron Woodley, which is one of the most athletic fighters and explosive fighters in the UFC, that has defended his title time and time again, was fighting Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title. I thought that Tyron was going to be able to run through Kamaru Usman like he has so many of his past opponents. Spoiler alert, he did not. And Tyron I've always liked because he seems to, in the fights that he has, match the fighter that he's fighting, but do a little bit better than them. Like do just enough better than them to win. And he actually won the title for the first time against Robbie Lawler, which is the guy that just had the controversial, that I just spoke about, that had the controversial loss to Ben Askren, which happens to be Tyron Woodley's training, one of Tyron Woodley's uh, training partners in terms of wrestling. And even Tyron says that wrestling-wise, Ben Askren kicks his ass each and every time. Anyway, Kamar Usman, which I really didn't, pay attention to or really know before he got this title fight you know former member of the black zillions has guys like rashad evans and ernesto hoost in his corner just like completely put on a clinic against tyron woodley and it wasn't like he he looked great kamar Usman looked great but i felt like my focus was more on how bad tyron looked because he wasn't even like like I just said, he normally does like that, matches like the level of the opponent that he has, and then does just enough to win. If he's fighting a jujitsu guy, he makes sure he doesn't get taken down. Like when he fought Damien Maya, and Damien Maya uh, tried to take him down like a record number of times. I think it was like 20 something. And he was unable to entire and stuff each and every one of those takedowns, which is like sick to do. Uh, when he fights a striker, he outstrikes them. He fought uh, Wonderboy Thompson, and who's a karate-style uh, striker, and fucked him up. And But, like, fought at his kind of, like, you know, jump in and jump out type of karate point-fighting type level. But there was, like, none of that. It was, and in his face, the way he looked, Tyron, he looked the way that Max Holloway looked when... He when Bisbane called him out on screen saying, you know, you look like you just woke up, are you sleepy? And then it came out that he had uh, Max Holloway had a really bad weight cut and uh, just like wasn't all there and had to be hospitalized and cancel that fight. Tyron kind of sort of looked like that, and I know he has bad weight cuts. Um, hopefully, it wasn't that, and he wasn't like dehydrated and just like fucked up from a weight cut. But he definitely, definitely was not himself. And, you know, he didn't give any excuses. He's also a class act. He was like that. It just felt like a nightmare in there. Like everything he knew that he should be doing, he wasn't doing. And then uh, hats off to Usman and, and blah, blah, blah. But it was just very, very unexpected, at least for me, to to uh, see that fight. And I was definitely rooting for Tyron. And um would be interesting to see if they are able to run it back. But the way he looked and the fact that, you know, he's not, he's definitely not on, uh, on Dana White's buddy list or whatever, you know, Dana and him always like butt heads. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get the, the chance to, to run it back for a rematch and Kamaro gets like somebody else and then Tyron gets somebody else. And then maybe after that they fight again, who knows, but I would be surprised if they do decide to run it back, uh, rematch right away. And last but not least, John Bones Jones versus Anthony Smith. This is for the light heavyweight title. John Jones just, uh, well, like two months ago, maybe three months ago, after fighting uh, Gustafson for the second time, you know, was being interviewed by uh, analysts that were on, on the desk and, you know, following the fight that day. And one of them being Anthony Smith. And Anthony kind of kind of uh, crassly asked John on air, 
hey, what are you doing around July? And John, you know, takes that rightfully so as like a like a challenge. And he says, you know what, I'm 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 fighting you. That's what I'm doing. You know, I'll, I'll fight anybody. Get your guanta, blah blah blah, like that type of thing. And just that line by Anthony Smith, who wasn't really like the next in line or number one contender or anything like that. I think he was. He's now ranked number three. He was probably ranked like maybe in the top ten, um, but I want to say top fifteen, but I could be wrong. But maybe, but I think somewhere in the top ten. Now he's ranked number three after getting this title shot. You know, just the hype that that developed, and the fact that John Jones, uh, coming off his suspensions, said that he wants to be super, super, super active this year and try to get four fights in, and he's already got two in, and we are in March, so it seems like he will be getting the four fights in this year, um, to kind of sort of make up for lost time. So that hype, coupled with that, you know, made the fight happen sooner than July. It was, this one went kind of sort of as expected. Not kind of sort of, it went as expected. Um, Anthony Smith didn't really belong in there with him yet, in my opinion. But then again, it's John Jones who does. He's also one of those best MMA fighter uh, ever. Uh, conversation finalist guy. And he just has like an asterisk by his name because of the like steroid allegations and all the shit that he's going through with like the picograms and this and that and dick pills that happen to be contaminated with a trace element of a steroid and all types of like weird fucking shit. But uh, John Jones is definitely put on a clinic like he almost always does. And he did not disappoint. And he's also one of those like unorthodox style fighters where he'll hit you with the spinning back fist and you know while you're in the clinch he'll like hit you with his shoulder like he'll get impulse and like kind of sort of like squat down and sprint up or spring up and with his shoulder into your fucking jaw and he'll stomp your foot and he has like these wild spinning kicks and back kicks and side kicks and just dope to watch and he has like this freakishly long reach like 84 and a half inches i believe it is he had like eight and a half inches reach on his opponent anthony smith so he happened to like keep him at bay pretty much the entire fight when he wasn't like choosing to clinch and the only thing i would say that was dope by anthony smith's part and you know showed the the his character and the type of fighter that he is was that he, John Jones, hit him twice with an illegal blow. Once where Anthony Smith was down, like he had his, his two legs down and one arm, and John went to kick him, but he kind of sort of missed because Anthony blocked the kick. So techni- technically it didn't count as an illegal blow, but if it would have landed, it, w- it was, it would have been. Then he hit him with a knee, when he was again in a similar position and this one he hit him with and uh herb dean stopped it wando taking away two points away from john jones and asking asking anthony smith you know if he wanted to continue or not if anthony smith would have said no he would have been john jones would have been disqualified for that illegal blow and anthony smith would have been the champion right now in uh obviously an upset kind of disqualification victory which would have sucked, but um, Anthony Smith, to his testament, said no, he doesn't want to win like that, and he's fine, and he wants to continue fighting, and which they did for another round. I think it was like the fifth round already, the championship round, and uh, John Jones won the winning in a unanimous decision, and still, so I don't know who's next for John Jones. It doesn't seem like Cormier is going to happen, Jones versus Cormier, although it might. Maybe that, that'll be uh, like a surprise for the July card because uh, Cormier is going to re- be retiring soon. But I don't know if he's going to go back down to light heavy. But we'll see. You never know. Maybe he'll take that as his last fight and see what he could do with it. Third time's the charm maybe for him. Um, But, yeah, that was a boatload of UFC talk. That's all I got for you folks. Thank you for listening to episode 121 of the Spawn Today podcast. Stay tuned, listen to some tunes, and then here's some ways that you can help support the Spawn Today podcast. <laughs>
if you so choose. Peace. You can catch me in the cherry red 150. Ooh. Got the grizzly locked in the stizzy. Pop the clizzy doing 60 down a one with you drunk pissy. <laughs> Trying to cruise through the avenue while my people's just popping bottles up in sewers. My neighborhood fucked that. Spun the UE, lost the hubcap, was back to the shack. Came back in a watch that. Straight from Paris. Taking Debbie's baby, baby cabbage, very yellow. Nice. Uh, cherry radish, fresh off the dealer. Yeah. Got the tech for the squealers. Yeah. We're a vest for the killers. Yeah. Nothing that's cause it's realer yeah. in the big apple. Quick to get the shit tackled, enemies spit at your best friends, kidnap you, trust no one. Got beef, bust yoga, yeah. you don't need no one. Nope. Talking about that you owe him, I'ma go for Dolo. Scarface with a Manolo, when these probably solo, but you need throwing bottles. It's so hard, it's hard work, baby. I just lost a yeah. hundred pounds, I'm trying to live. I ain't going it's nowhere. Be like I'm staying alive, baby. Bust and it's so hard. That's my wife, I pay for them titties. Get your own, don't get hurt. Would you like to receive a short email from me once a week? You know that feeling you have on a Monday at work when you have absolutely nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear, the Midday Monday Boost letter is here. In this short weekly newsletter, you will receive five things. One is a photograph of the week from a photographer. A podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts, dozens and dozens of podcasts, hundreds of episodes, and I cherry pick the best ones and I share them with you here. You'll also receive a video of the week, which could be anything from a rap battle to a TED talk. You receive a quote of the week, something to let marinate in your mind, and a word of the week so that you and I can both step up our vocab. So if any of that sounds of interest to you, check it out check out the subscribe page at spuntrade.com forward slash subscribe drop in your email address and you'll receive the very next one for any writers or creatives out there i have a questionnaire it's a five question questionnaire that anyone is free to fill out it's located at spuntrade.com forward slash questionnaire and what it is is five open-ended questions related to your craft It's things like what inspires you to write or create whenever you don't feel the inspiration to do so. What are your favorite apps or tools or tricks to trick yourself into getting into the mind state of actually creating? What inspires you, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like that. And what I do with your responses is share them on a future episode of the podcast. Now you can choose to remain anonymous if you choose to. You have that option right there when you fill out the questionnaire. And if you do not choose to remain anonymous, I give you a shout out on the podcast and promote for free whatever it is that you have going on. So I appreciate you in advance for sharing that with me, as well as the rest of the listeners of the Sponsored Podcast, which would stand to gain from you filling out the questionnaire. Now, you can help support the podcast in a myriad of ways. One way which does not cost you anything and is most popular within the podcasting community is by shopping on Amazon using my affiliate links banner. So the way that works is you go to sponsored.com forward slash affiliate links, or just click on the affiliate links tab at the top center of the page. And there you will see a banner for Amazon. You literally just click on that and it takes you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It does not cost you anything extra but Amazon will give me a kickback just for driving traffic to their website. So that would be a big help. It literally costs you nothing extra financially, just costs you a couple of extra clicks of your mouse before you do your Amazon shopping. The iTunes banner that's on that same page works the same way. So if you're purchasing music or movies or whatever it is on iTunes, feel free to go through my affiliate link portal there as well. If you want to make a one-time PayPal donation, feel free to do so. There's a PayPal donation button on there as well. Within that same tab, you'll also find a link to the Spun Today Viral Style Store. Now, the Viral Style Store is a store where you can get Spun Today merch, whether it's a coffee mug or a t-shirt that I personally designed. And spoiler alert, I'm no no Ralph Lauren or, you know, whoever designs Gucci stuff. (laughs) But... I did create the design of those shirts myself. I have a couple t-shirts on there. One that says, for example, right need every day 
which is a play off of Snoop, Dre, and Nate Dogg's Smoke Weed Every Day. So it's Right Need Every Day with like a puff cloud of smoke behind it. I have a podcast versus everybody t-shirt and uh, just stuff like that. So check it out. The link to the viral style store is also there. You can also help support the podcast on a reoccurring basis if you become a Patreon supporter. Now, Patreon is pretty cool. And it's there's a little um, video explanation of what it is and how it works. But I'll try to do my best to summarize it here. Basically, you sign on to Patreon, which is a free service, free account, and you can support not just myself, but any other uh, podcasters or creatives that also have Patreon pages. And you can choose to, for example, donate a dollar to them on a per episode basis. So the Sponsor Day podcast has two uh, episodes a month. So if you donate a dollar to it, it'll be two dollars a month, basically. And you set it up and it just happens automatically on a reoccurring basis. There are zero fees. You can cancel at any time. No hassle, no bullshit. And it's uh, it's a cool way to help support and is much appreciated. And also, it's not just like a, for example, uh, a PayPal donation, which is just that. But through Patreon, it allows the creator, in this case being myself, to set up a reward system, if you will. So... If you donate a dollar per episode, you are considered a tier one supporter. If you donate three dollars per episode, you are a second tier supporter, etc., etc. And it goes up to four tiers, and each tier gets different things. Like uh, tier one gets a free sponsored bookmark and a shout out on the podcast. Tier three gets a uh, gets those two things from tier one as well as. A free writing piece that's not posted on on my website or available to anyone else etc etc so check that out if you will and uh, visit my patreon page at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash spun today another great amazing way to help support the podcast is to rate and review it this costs you absolutely nothing whether you listen on itunes on stitcher on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, on Pocket Casts, on Overcast, on Player FM, on Google Play, on YouTube, on Tumblr, or if you listen on Podbay or any other of your favorite podcast apps, please rate and review the episode. It really is the number one way to help the show gain traction, gain exposure. You know, you could also share it with friends and family and tell them, you know, check out what this idiot is saying. Some of it is actually pretty good. Or it all fucking sucks and you should listen and laugh. But as long as you're listening, (laughs) it would be much appreciated. So rate and review the podcast wherever it is that you listen. Follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Spun Today. Like the Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. Subscribe to my YouTube page as well. All podcast episodes are available on YouTube as well as clipped versions for example with the random rant episodes you know i speak about a bunch of different topics instead of having the full episode alone which is also available on youtube but you also have snippets of the different topics broken up into more digestible chunks so check that out you can also support by checking out my book make way for you tips for getting out of your own way it's a quick short read if you're looking for some inspiration and motivation And you can find out more about it at spuntray.com forward slash books. There you'll find a video of me telling you all how the book came to fruition, as well as a couple of audio excerpts. If you're interested, you can purchase it wherever books are sold. Kindle, iBooks, Kobo, an ebook or paperback format, which you can find on Amazon. Also, for being a Spuntray listener, I can also send you a free copy right there on that same landing page at sponsor.com forward slash books drop in your email address at the bottom of the page and i'll shoot you over a copy in the format of your choice and that's all i got folks thanks again for checking out this episode and as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams thanks for listening